Hi, and welcome to my podcast, Life and Purpose, with me, Wanjiko Kiari. In this podcast, we shall be having real conversations and stories on the journey to self-discovery, evolution, learning, and personal development. Do you ever question your existence? I do, and I'd like to invite you for us to share, learn, and to live and be the best version of ourselves. So join me. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Life and Purpose podcast. It's episode 39. I hope you're keeping well. We are ushering in the fourth quarter of 2020. How fast has this year moved? It's wow, it's amazing. It's been, you know, one of the more difficult years, but one thing that has been moving pretty fast is time, I feel. What's keeping you motivated? For me, I'm counting down to Christmas. <laughs> Hear me out. Um, one of the ways I get over some hard days is by looking forward to the things that I really do enjoy. So one of those things is Christmas. I love Christmas because it means spending time with family, just relaxing, being at home, you know, doing things that I enjoy. So I'm really, 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 really looking forward to Christmas. The year has been different. We all agree. But imagine we are alive. We are pushing on. We have a chance to do it all over again. We have a chance. God has been gracious and so i hope that you're feeling positive and if you have not been just try and focus your energies on the little things that are working out or looking forward to the things that you hope will turn out better if you're an og of this podcast you know that october is also one of my favorite months and that's because duh i was born in october <laughs> so i do celebrate my birthday and i don't know that it's just me but i feel like a lot of people in their 30s also experience this you know the birthdays that you celebrate in your 30s you know when it becomes apparent that you're slowly exiting the youth bracket you kind of have this soberness and you reflect more you recenter yourself you you basically use that time to just think more critically about your life and your life decisions so i'm really looking forward to having some me time in october to do just that you know september has been a great month busy 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 in every sense of the word but also I've been so so fulfilled I have had moments actually most days I have gone to bed so so exhausted completely knackered but also so fulfilled and feeling so great I've had my nieces over at my house and sometimes my nephew has also been over and goodness the joy the joy that I derive from just being around family is immeasurable for me I really really enjoy just figuring out cool things to do with them dance singing homeschooling them teaching them life skills here and there learning from them as well because i keep saying we learn a lot from kids if only we actively look for the things that they're telling us and so i've been so fulfilled on the downside though we have been trying a lot of recipes <laughs> If you have kids at home at this time, then you know that they've been eating more than usual. I think, you know, being at home and not being in school and all of that. So you've got to keep the snacks flowing. And of course, mommy dearest here has been testing and having the snacks with the kids, you know, eating together as a family. So the results are also there, you know, what you put in, it definitely shows. So the waistline is not there. It has disappeared, but um, I wouldn't change a thing. 
I, I wouldn't change a thing. It's been great. I hope you follow me on Instagram. My handle is at life and purpose podcast because there I let you know what is going on and if there's a small hiatus or not or what's causing it. And the beauty of life lies in the presence of it. You know, being present and being alive to current circumstances is one of those things that I'm really big on. And so the last month I wasn't able to really dedicate um, time to edit episodes or to put up episodes because I was really trying to balance off my work as well as um, you know time with my family as well as other projects that I'm working on some of which you'll get to know in a couple of months. So let me get right to it because this week I am so excited to be bringing you a conversation I had with an exceptional woman of our generation, a lady whose passion for the youth goes beyond words and is exhibited in her deeds as well. Being a youth advocate, she founded a network, a platform that provides innovative, engaging, interactive and tailor-made training and coaching for the youth. Her career has also been off the charts, literally. She has worked across various sectors from the media to public sector and received numerous awards, including being named as one of the 100 most influential young Africans. She's also the latest author in town of a phenomenal book, a collection of powerful, inspiring and challenging stories from youth across 22 African countries who are literally just breaking barriers. She's also quite achieved academically. She has a bachelor's degree in law, the postgraduate diploma in public relations, a master's in public policy. She's also a public policy fellow from the university in the U.S. and also a recipient of the Young Leaders Fellowship, the one that was founded by the former president of the U.S., Barack Obama. You must know by now who I'm talking about. And if you know who it is, then you know that you need to get your notebook and your pen because Liz Ntonjira graced the podcast, guys. And this is how our conversation went. Thank you so much for honoring the invitation to come onto this podcast. I'm very, very excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Lillian. I'm happy to be here today. So thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's start from the beginning. Please introduce yourself to anybody who has been living under the cave, <laughs> who doesn't know you. Oh, <laughs> Tell dear. us who you are, your background, um, what you do, how was your life growing up, just a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Liz Ntunjira. I'm a mother of two, happily married to a wonderful husband, currently the founder of the Liz Ntunjira Network, a youth platform that coaches, trains, and mentors young people. I'm also an author of my latest book, Hashtag Youth Can, and I'm also the head of global corporate communications at Amref Health Africa. Amref Health Africa is the largest health development organization that is headquartered here in Nairobi with offices and expansions in 35 African countries, 11 Europe and North America offices, and three subsidiaries, Amref Flying Doctors, Amref International University, and Amref Enterprises. Wow, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> how was it growing up? Well, I grew up in a big family. I have five siblings, um, three sisters, and two brothers. So we are four girls and two boys. Both my brothers live in the States, so I really dearly miss them. <laughs> um, and my sisters are mostly here in Nairobi. Grew up with my mom and dad, who are both civil servants. My dad was chief economist for the government, and my mom a nurse, and they're both
both retired. And growing up with such a big family, I learned a lot in terms of sharing. And I think that's why even now I just love hosting people at home, you know, making sure all of you are eating and making merry. I just really enjoy hosting barbecues, just seeing people happy. Oh, that's great, Liz. And we'll come into your career because just your introduction alone mm-hmm. <laughs> is quite inspiring. But before we get there, like how was your school life? Were you an A student? Were you a bookworm? How was that growing up, like in high school, primary school? I would say a mix of both. I was always, say, top five or top ten in the streams. So remember in school when you have like 4A, B, C, D, so we would Mm -hmm. often be graded with all the streams together. So sometimes you'd have to really check what grade you were in class, your specific class. So in class out of maybe 30, 35, 40 students, I'd be top five in the stream, maybe top 10 or top 15. And I'm one of those people who, yes, I loved reading, but also really was passionate about sports. Believe it or not, in high school, I was a junior games captain because I really loved playing basketball. I loved playing lawn tennis, badminton, table tennis, any racket game. Like I really, really enjoyed it. I think the only part I did enjoy much was running because <laughs> I never used to like going for cross countries but I'm one of those people that really feel you need to work hard and also play hard there has to be a balance in both you know the saying that says all work and no play made Jack a dull boy I remember one time you know my mom kept saying you know imagine if you didn't engage in any activities in school and you just focused on studies you would be like number one and believe you me there is a time I did that I've never flopped like that in my life I think because I wasn't me that was not the kind of person I am so I'm an extrovert I I like everything in tempered or considered measure wow so I've listened to several of your talks and autonomy, you know, just uh, a lot of the interviews that you have done mm-hmm. and you have been very consistent about a person having or defining their own mission, goals mm-hmm. and core mm-hmm. values. So why do you think that is so important and what are the benefits of doing that in life? Yeah, when you think about it, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you are an employee in a certain organization, you're all working towards a certain mission to accomplish a certain vision. And you're doing that by being guided by certain values within that organization or within your own company. So what makes you as a person different? Yeah. So for me, I like people running themselves as mini companies where you have your long-term goals, your short-term goals. It's sort of like a strategic plan to be very candid with you. How we run organizations should be the same way we run our own lives because, you know, you have short-term goals, right? An organization has short-term goals. You have long-term goals. An organization has long-term goals. You have a plan. You have a vision. So those Mm -hmm. things are really critical. And for me, they've been helpful in making sure that whatever decision I make is aligned towards where I want to see myself in the long term. And a perfect example could be a time when I was leaving media and I'd been offered a three-year contract somewhere with a state corporation, and nobody could see the sense of me leaving a permanent and pensionable job for a three-year contract. But when I sat down and looked at everything I wanted to accomplish, I felt that the 
three-year contract catapulted me to reaching my long-term goals faster than the permanent and pensionable job, which, you know, sometimes is never guaranteed. How many people get retrenched every year, right? How many people lose their jobs? So when you stick, your mind is just within the comfort of, oh, I have a permanent and pensionable job. You'll never move forward. You need to take risks in life to progress. And for me, that was the best decision I ever made. So those values, the mission, the vision really guide you in terms of what you want to achieve. Yeah, so you would really attribute (laughs) achievements currently or so far in life to just having defined your values, your mission and your, your goals, right? Yeah, I would. And you know, sometimes you have to, you know, having that base and that foundation really guides you. There is one time I had this job offer. It was a spectacular job offer that paid loads and loads of money. And in as much as it catapulted me to reach my long-term goal, right? Mm -hmm. It compromised two, three of my values. It's not something that was aligned to, you know, my own values of integrity, my values of honesty, my values of mentorship, my values of ensuring that everybody is empowered with the work that I do. It did align to that so Mm -hmm. you know making that difficult decision to uh, decline the offer was very tough it was easy and hard at the same time you know so I think that gives you a really really good base Wow. Yes, that must have been a tough decision. But I think when you are grounded and know who you are and what impact you want to leave in the world, Mm -hmm. then as you say, it becomes an easy decision, even though it's also a hard one. Yeah, true. Let's talk about your career, which has been exceptional (laughs) so far. Uh And I'd like to know how you have managed to just progressively move upwards, work in the various sectors, receive awards, and remain a thought leader in your niche area. How has that journey been? And what are the key factors you would say have attributed to your success in your career? First and foremost, I would say, honestly, by the grace of God, you make decisions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you're not too sure that even for you with everything, with being grounded, with knowing exactly what you want, you're always wary or cautious. Is this the right decision? So I would mm-hmm. attribute it to the, you know, the grace of God. Um, yeah. And also it's about planning and prioritization. That has really, really helped me in terms of being able to do my two masters at the same time, work for a very intense and demanding job, plan my wedding at the same time. You know, I'm one of those people who live by so many quotes. Anything I see, and I sometimes when I face a dilemma, I tell myself, or a very difficult situation, one of my biggest key mottos or mantras is no pain, no gain. Yeah. So sometimes when I have to put in the late hours, early mornings, work over the weekends or study over the weekends, I always tell myself there is an end result to this and I'll be happy about it. So those are some of the things that keep me going. I think just planning and prioritizing everything that you need to do. Um, And also, you know, in my journey, I came to learn that time is a very valuable asset. And unfortunately, a lot of us young people waste a lot of time thinking, oh, in my 20s, I can do whatever I want. But 20s is really when you're building your base. 20s is when you're really capturing and getting all this experience that you need to catapult you in your 30s, in your 40s and retire in your 50s, you know. So when 20s, you're just having fun, you've not really clearly defined what you need to do. I mean, 30s will find you confused, 
40s will find you depressed because you'll be looking at your friends who had a plan and you start introspecting and looking behind and saying, where did I go wrong? So, you know, this journey of life, when you set a good foundation from the very get-go, from even when you're in campus, it really, really helps you. So I always advise people that I mentor, if you're on holiday, try find a job. Even if it's an attachment, it's an internship, you know, and you know, us young people, whenever we see these job opportunities, we always see this thing that says experience. Internship is experience. Attachment is experience. We need to be doing more of that. Then we won't feel so much at a disadvantaged position. I think grit and patience have also kept me going. There are moments when, you know, you've worked so hard and you're waiting for something to happen and it doesn't. Um, and, you know, as young people, we tend to lose patience very fast. I think just learning to be a little bit patient, to continue being resilient, knowing that even when I fall, I will stand up and I will make sure whatever made me fall the last time is not what I will stumble on the next time. So even when you fail, when you start over again, you're starting not from a place of no knowledge, but you're starting from a place of experience, yeah? I think people actually learn more from their failures than their accomplishments, and you need to keep going. So planning and prioritization, greed, patience, resilience, and really also having a circle that is always empowering you, always cheering you on. I always say that you don't need a fan club to achieve your goals, but it's also good to just have people that you can circle back or bounce off ideas with. And for me, that could be two people, that could be one person, that could be four people. The challenge with the millennials or a lot of people who necessarily are not even millennials is we look for validation in a lot of people, which shouldn't be the case. I always say it doesn't matter how many people believe in you. If you do not believe in yourself, you will not do it. So it all starts with I, yourself you. Mm -hmm. So if you believe you can do it, there is nothing that can stop you from achieving or realizing your potential. Wow, Liz, I'm literally with a pen and a notebook <laughs> just taking the value bombs that are coming out of this. And I'm so grateful that a lot of us are going to benefit from this session. I just wanted to go a little bit more on to how you have managed to, for instance, receive awards. Do you set out and say that this year I'm going to work towards this and, you know, work towards the goal of receiving an award? How does it feel? <laughs> Some of those awards I just get on my email. I wasn't even aware there's such an award happening. Wow. So when you work hard, somehow people yeah, notice. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, when you work hard, people notice. I cannot tell you how many times I have received messages on my LinkedIn by recruiters trying to headhunt me for certain positions. And I know there's a, a couple of weeks back, I was interviewed by Daily Nation around, you know, young people and job opportunities and staying true and focused. And I stick by my words. If mm -hmm. you are focused, if you know how to prioritize, if you know and leverage your networks, those jobs will find you. I know it is very hard sometimes for people to believe it, but mm -hmm. those jobs will find you. 
Wow, I choose to believe that as well and to, you know, look for ways or do those things that I haven't been doing for me to be in a position where jobs are finding me. So I read your article actually and I I do believe in what you said. Yeah. So you started holding very senior leadership positions at a very young age. Mm -hmm. As a lady, have there been challenges specifically that you have faced because you are a lady or has it been a fair playing ground for you? Oh my goodness, there were so, so many challenges. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know where to begin. I think one of them was... You know, I joined TV when I was really young. Um, I think I was about 19 years old when I was still pursuing my undergraduate law degree. And back then it was okay because it was a fun show that I was doing. I was doing a travel show. I think things got interesting when I joined Nation Media Group. And it's really difficult being in the public eye when you're very young. I joined Nation at 22. 223 years old and yeah (laughs) I I recall you know getting pregnant at 23 and hearing all these different versions of people telling you you're too young to be a mom oh you will waste your career you know there are many options for you to do and during that period I really separated the wheat from the chaff in terms of friends friends, um and and yeah I, I mean having my baby gave me really so much purpose so much to live for and I could not imagine having it any other way yeah and you know, as I continue to progress, it was very difficult because I've sat in panel interviews where a director in a certain organization I worked for said something in the line of, let's not hire too many young women because they'll all get pregnant at the same time. You know, very unwarranted remarks because we've already made decisions for these young women who we don't even know Mm-hmm. whether or not they want children you know what i mean so denying somebody an opportunity just because of your assumptions in interviews where women have been asked uh questions regarding their marital status regarding whether or not they have children i mean young women go through a lot and let's not forget sexual harassment or sexual innuendos at the workplace there have been some people saying with the advent of the me too movement um they're right in cases of sexual harassment, I actually don't think they're rising cases. I just think that now they're being talked about before people were scared to talk about them, before young women would say, you know, I don't know what to do because this is my supervisor. I've had so many people write to me and ask me, please, how because um, the personal assistant or the executive assistant to this particular person, and now I feel like they're going over the boundaries, the workplace boundaries. It's really a difficult time for young women and difficult experiences for young women. And that's why I can never thank Justice Njoki Ndungo enough for introducing uh, the sexual harassment bill in the Kenyan parliament, because these are things that are really, you know, they happen on a day-to-day basis, whether you're talking about corporate, whether you're talking about at the market, whether you're talking about the informal sector, these things do happen to young women. And we need to continue amplifying these voices so that things can continue being done uh, to avert this very bad and shady behavior. You know, sometimes these cases are about he said and she said. So I always felt like I need to to ensure that I have evidence 
of yeah. anything that might transpire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very unfortunate what we have to go through. But I think, as you said earlier, when you have your values, you know what you stand for, then you're able to always put yourself in a position where you're able to either fight or have a voice even against such things happening yeah, in the exactly. workplace. You are very passionate about the youth, Liz. I think you speak, dream, <laughs> talk the youth all the time. <laughs> And you're always advocating for issues to do with youth and especially the youth of Africa. Why is that? Where did that passion come from? Oh my gosh, because I think the youth are the most undervalued and underutilized Mm -hmm. uh, population that we have in Africa, yet there's so much potential within the youth. I feel that we need to give youth more opportunity. You know, there's a lot of age prejudice that happens in the workplace. And this is really quite sad because we have young people that are intentionally left out of decision-making tables only because of their age. They're left out because um, certain people say, you know, this is a young person. I don't think they're really able to articulate the issues that we really want articulated yet. They've not really sat down with that young person to understand that. I have sat and I've had the really great opportunity to meet lots and lots of young people who are breaking barriers in whatever institution or work that they do. So it's quite a sad thing when you hear such kind of issues. Mm -hmm. While on the one hand, I'm of the school of thought that youth empowerment and participation is a dynamic circle and the foundation of every African community. And, you know, we cannot leave out the youth in these very vital conversations because the youth hold the mantle to the continuity of the national development agenda that we have in the various countries. So for me, the youth will remain a significant share of the African population for the foreseeable future. And therefore, it's really, really important for us to develop and implement appropriate strategies, policies, and even programs to mitigate the risks and challenges we, the youth, face. And, you know, issues to do with youth policies must be brought to the fore and must be a priority for the government, the private sector, and the international development sector as well than it currently is. Are those some of the issues that you're trying to address using the Listen to Nigeria network? Yes, those are certainly the issues I'm trying to address using the Listen to Nigeria network. I feel there's a huge gap, and we did do a survey with the over 2,000 members of the network in terms of if they feel that the older generation is passing the baton. We live in a country where the median age is 19 years old. All our cabinet secretaries are over 50, right? Yeah. It's really perplexing that there are reports there will be a vacuum in the civil service in Kenya um, because nine out of 10 of the employees in the civil service are over 46 years old. Well, the irony is Kenya is leading in East Africa with unemployment rates for young people. So why can't we absorb some of these young people in the public sector? And we are churning out numbers that thousands from the universities who when mentored properly, they are able to, you know, succession planning should happen in a better way in this country, it honestly. Should. It should. And you know, when young people are empowered, 
They can contribute to all sectors of the economy with a passionate desire to be catalysts for both individual, national, and community development. So a lot more needs to be done. Yeah. What are the effects, you think, of the current pandemic to the youth or the continent, basically? There have been a lot of social and economic challenges on police brutality, job losses, increased gender violence. What would you advise someone who, say, has lost their job or has had to shut their business during this time? How can they rise and pick themselves up again? You know, it's funny you asked me that because one of the things I've been saying during this COVID times is that young people might not be the ones facing the fatalities from COVID-19 at the rate that the older generation is. However, they're bearing the biggest brunt in terms of the job losses, the salary cuts, the business closures. All that is leading to a lot of mental health issues, a lot of suicides, a lot of despondency amongst the young people. I know so many young people who've lost opportunities at this time. But also, you know, it's an opportunity for us to reinvent the world. It's an opportunity for us to think out of the box. In my book, Youth Can, I feature this wonderful young gentleman from one of the public universities in Kenya. He's called Fidel Makatia. He's only 23 years old. And because the schools were closed, he thought, okay... How can I respond to COVID-19? How can I play my part in, you know, responding to COVID-19? One of the things that we don't have in the country is sufficient um, ventilators. This kid, Mm -hmm. he has never seen a ventilator. He researched how a ventilator is done. Him and his few other friends and fellow students developed a ventilator and currently it's under clinical trials after going through all the requisite health authority approvals. I mean, that's just brilliant. You know, I think the COVID times have also, I like looking at situations half full rather than half empty. I feel that we've really seen the innovation in Africa. Africa is a hotbed of talent, hotbed of innovation. It has really come to the fore during this time. I know a lot of people were expecting Africans to fall down and die like flies, and that didn't happen, and that is shocking them, and they do not understand, and they've tried to figure out, is it because of our skin? Is it because of the vaccinations that we get initially when we are children? It is because we have faced so many trials, so many health issues, that we have become, you know, very a very innovative species. And people need to appreciate that rather than coming up with theories of why we are still standing, you know? Yeah, we are a very resilient society. Exactly. For sure. That's the word. That's the word I was looking for. We're very resilient. Yes. And you highlighted a story that you featured on your book, Youth Can. Tell us about this journey of authoring this book. How did it start? What inspired you to feature different young African leaders who are doing amazing things in different areas? How did this idea come about? Oh, this idea came about because it's sort of like lead on from what I do with the network. It's just about inspiring and empowering young people. I'm really passionate about young people and the youth advocacy around that. Um, And I thought, what better gift can I give to young people across Africa, not just Kenya? Because sometimes I feel we become very limited when we think this is Kenya. This is the only thing that I know. And 
that has also prevented us from seeking job opportunities elsewhere. I've sat with a group of young people who say, you know, they're scared of leaving even Nairobi City and go get a job at a county because they're scared of the unknown. I understand the biggest fear is that of the unknown, but then again, there's also a lot of opportunity. And having met a lot of young people across Africa, the challenges they talk about are duplicate, like replicate the same thing that we go through here in Kenya. So I wanted somebody reading the book to really resonate with somebody in Lesotho, somebody in South Africa, somebody in Cape Verde, somebody in Sao Thomas. You know, the book features Anglophone, Lusophone and Francophone countries. Whether it's our language, whether it's the boundaries, we cannot limit ourselves to that. We are more similar than we ever think that we are. So really, in summary, the book is about 50 empowering stories told from 22 African countries by 29 women and 21 men. Some of the countries represented include Angola, Liberia, Lesotho, Malawi, Mauritius, Nigeria, Rwanda, South Africa, of course, Kenya, South Sudan, Zambia, Uganda, Zimbabwe, amongst others. The youngest person featured in the book is nine years old. And the oldest is 60 years old, um, because, as I mentioned, I really believe in the power and resonance of passing the baton. Um, the book is divided into 12 chapters, and those 12 chapters are in the various industries that we are in, whether it's media and art, environmental, public service, entrepreneurship, private sector, research and development, education, among others. So the beginning of each chapter starts with a letter from an industry expert who's over 35 years old, um, sort of writing an inspiring letter to the younger generation, followed by three to four features of outstanding youth across that sector in Africa. So really youth empowerment is the dynamic circle across the entire book. I've featured wow. people with PhDs, people who've dropped out of school because of various circumstances, leaving a mark and creating an impact in the societies they're in. Wow, it's a very rich book. I mean, clearly from just how you describe it. And I'll give you a chance to tell us how we can get the books. I think everybody really should get a copy of this book so that we can get inspired and challenged to also do things that will leave a mark in the society. Mm -hmm. Before we get there, you can tell us as a society, how do we weigh in? You know, a lot of us feel like these things are left for the leaders to do in terms of addressing the issues that are facing the society. Teenage pregnancies, you know, these job losses, creating opportunities. What can I, as Lillian, do to contribute positively to the society? Educate your friends, educate your peers, educate your families. Um, it all starts with the little, little steps. I always mm -hmm. say a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. It could be in a family gathering and you discuss about a particular issue and you shed some light that you know that the rest might not know. And, you know, out of the people that you, if you speak to 10 people, five people, four people, at least one person is going to really resonate with what you're saying. And they'll continue talking about those positive impacts. And then that person will go talk to other two, three people. It's just about public awareness that is also coupled with some activities, some action. It could be something that we had of somebody being married off as a child and we all go and save that person. You know, I always say when we're talking about influence and impact, people want by 
you know, impacting thousands and millions of lives. No, it could be one life. It could be two lives. And then those two lives paid forward to other three lives. And it becomes a snowball effect. The change just starts with one person. Just one. That's that's all it takes. Just do that little thing that is within your power and resources to do. And you never exactly. know the impact. Yeah? Exactly, exactly. You know, and, and it could be a small thing, Lillian, as, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that my husband always tells me is that he's learned a lot of generosity from me in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, I like tipping just because, you know, when you give somebody, there's, there's just that feeling of you're helping somebody say for instance you give you know a security guard who's been standing by your car a 200 bob 500 bob imagine you whatever car you're driving you might not be able to fill your car with that 200 bob or 500 bob or 1000 bob but imagine to somebody else that 500 bob is food for a week so just imagine how much impact you've given to that person yeah And that person will definitely pay it forward. One day they'll see somebody who's in need. They help them with 100 bob, 50 bob. And it's not just about monetary value. It's just about being selfless when we are giving. Yeah, (laughs) that is so true. Any final thoughts or words of advice to a young person listening to us today who is so hopeful, who is thinking about their future and seeing themselves doing great things? What would you tell them today? I would tell them that you are not alone. This collection and anthology of 50 empowering stories is something that can be a reference book for you. It can be a tool for learning for you. Um, It can be found on www.youthcan.africa or you can walk into any textbook center if you're based in Kenya and you'll get a copy. It just really shows you and empowers you and inspires you to always chase after your dreams regardless of the odds you know one of the things and most exciting things that i always say we like picking up on hashtags for instance this hashtag of black lives matter and what we saw george floyd go through and for me i feel like the i can't breathe moments for african and kenyan youth is the structural impediments that are put in place to ensure that they choke us it's the unemployment it's the drug abuse those are some of our i can't breathe moments and what can we do to ensure the environment and the people um, in charge of taking care of us are really creating an enabling environment for us to thrive so you know there is power in testimony And I feel when we hear from other people who've been there before us or other people who've experienced what we are going through, we feel more empowered and resilient to carry on with our journeys. So my message is don't give up. Don't give up hope. Continue moving forward. You might slow down your pace, but never stop. We are going to end it on that note. But before we do that, please tell us, are you still enrolling for people to join the Ntunjira network? Yes, indeed. The more the merrier. Uh-huh. And people can join via www.blizzntonjiranetwork.com. Um, we always share such fantastic resources for young people every month through a newsletter, which has grant opportunities, funding opportunities, scholarship opportunities, volunteer and job opportunities. So please don't miss out on that. And also, we organize different webinars that are educational, informative, insightful, 
for young people. Thank you so much for the work that you are doing. Just to say that you have been uh, shining a light to the youth of Africa and I think that cannot go unnoticed and we say thank you and thank you so much for also coming on here and sharing your very inspirational story. We'll be looking forward to seeing what Liz is up to next. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you so much Lillian and thank you for having me in your wonderful, wonderful podcast. Keep on yeah. inspiring and empowering other young people. Thank you so much. All right. You're very welcome. Thank yeah. you. Thank you.